0: You're locked on FC Hockey's Scout Series, bringing you closer to the top names in the NHL entry draft than ever before. Now, here's Kyle Watson.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to FC Hockey's Scout Series. I'm joined by Justin Fraze, head of Western Canadian Scouting. Justin, how are you doing today?
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, we're in the middle of January, it's a Monday night and tomorrow I'd probably be pre- preparing to go to a rink, but uh, here we are, we're talking hockey and uh, trying to just imagine what it, our lives would be like if we actually had live games to look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we were all blessed uh, the last two weeks to have the World Juniors, you know, with with so much junior hockey not going on. Uh, it gave us a chance to get a first glimpse this year at uh, so many of the draft eligibles. Now, uh, you cover the Western uh, Hockey League and the Alberta Junior Hockey League and the BCHL. And and I'm wondering, um, at the tournament, was there anyone that stuck out to you and uh, when the season gets back going that you're excited to watch?
0: Well, for me, I mean, we obviously don't know what's going to happen. We've seen some of the Junior leagues start up at different times. Um, The one that really bounced out to me was a guy that wasn't drafted last year, uh, Simon Nock, uh, captain of Switzerland. Uh, really nice development uh, curve that I saw there and just a lot, his game has come and there's deny- dynamic quality is finally added on to kind of a rangy, rangy style, of skater, um, a lot more width to his game, a lot more grittiness, and he's really starting to compete for me. Uh, a lot of different areas where maybe deception could be a little used in certain instances and maybe a little bit more, uh, fluidity with how he thinks the game, but I was really impressed with how he did. And also, uh, from the the BCHL, uh, Raymond Foust, who also played on that team, I was quite impressed with uh, him in different stints. Obviously, had a bit more of an offensive role uh, playing the BCHL with Chilliwack. Given the state of their season, who knows if he's going to go south like a lot of these guys uh, to the USHL before there was any roster freeze. But uh, I really liked what he brought to the table. Real, real raw physical specimen. I mean, he plays a lot of different styles. He, he's his mentality is go north, go to the crease, crash, bang around, uh, get goals the hard way. Um, spacing and puck skills, still got a ways to go for him. But uh, you're going to get a couple different uh, Jekyll and Hyde shifts from him every now and then. But overall, I, I think there might be something there, kind of in the back half of the draft. But given the, given the kind of the dearth of uh, top end WHL guys and Western Canadians at this tournament, those two definitely stuck out for me.
1: Now, I'm wondering, um, as a, a second year eligible, um, how much harder it is, is it to stick out? You know, you're competing against a whole new group of guys who have, and you've got a year on them, you know, they've got a year where they could develop. Um, how much harder is it to stick out in your your first year after the draft or even your second year, like Brett Leeson did a couple of years back?
0: Well, I think thing thing with Leeson, I mean, once he got on the world stage, I mean, I was able to see him right in my backyard here in. In Prince Albert I mean same division is where I scout out of so you're able to see what he's able to do with kind of a big physical frame and uh just be able to just manufacture space for himself and linemates but once he got on the world stage you were able to see kind of how he's able to perform against his peers and players that are going to be better than him and kind of on the same level uh the elite of the elite uh Simone Knock, he didn't really uh have the same kind of impact um on the score sheet, maybe as Leeson did during that tournament. Uh, but at the same time he didn't look out of place. I mean, he's a leader for his country. He's going out and being kind of an emotional guy getting in good spots, showing a little bit of flash here and there. Uh, it's going to be really interesting when the, when the WHL does start back up, he's got some pretty good players on his team alone that he's going to be, uh, uh, kind of jockeying for, for draft position in Jacob or uh, Jack O'Brien. And, uh, Tyson Kozak but for him um, it was really interesting to kind of look and kind of see how far he's come from my last viewing of him is he maintaining that level is he able to add different uh, elements to his game and maybe what the projection is going forward so once he starts playing in the WHL again it would be really interesting to see if he's able to carry over that skill set and uh, really bring it every night for it for the Portland Winterhawks which he didn't last year
1: yeah. So obviously it's a unique year where a lot of players haven't got much ice time this year. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, in your draft year, even like uh knack in your draft plus one year, how big of an impact can it ha- have on your, on your draft stock to not be seen for such a long period of time?
0: Well, it's really interesting because you're, we just went through this where draft Twitter was totally hyped up over the two weeks of being able to see, Uh, Matthew Bennears, and really no other top end prospect. Um, So you're getting a lot of attention focused on the big three in Michigan, for example, Carson Lambo's, Brant Clark, going over and finally getting into games overseas. But then again, you forget about Cole Sillinger, who hasn't played since March. Uh, Some guys who haven't really seen Dylan Gunther got to the AGHL and watched him play with Shearwood Park. Uh, So it's really interesting. I know a lot of guys are going back. I know myself building a good solid base of reports. You can kind of pace yourself and kind of get that generalization understanding of their game. So when things do kind of get back to a semi-normal where these guys are all playing, you're able to have that base level understanding of where they are and how far they have come as soon as the game, as soon as the rubber hits the road, so to speak. So um, they may not be playing live games. They're definitely not forgotten. I know people are combing through those lists. I also know that it's really hard for a lot of people, especially when there's live games going on, to kind of take their their mind off that and not and not totally f- uh, forget that they have to look at the big picture and not just the guys who actually are active.
1: Now I'm curious, when you're putting together your rankings, uh, how do you try to combat recency bias? Do you uh, do you go off based off your last game that you saw the player, or do you try to project where he w- would be at if he was playing now, or what's your strategy?
0: I think. A lot of that is now combated. I mean, we're seeing how important videos become to the whole thing. Uh, so, I know from our database we didn't have the access to sh- to shift or ISO views even this time last year. So, I mean, for me, I'm going through and watching guys on the regular. I mean, I could watch Matthew Beniers if I wanted to get a cross examination. I can watch his game in about 25 minutes if I really wanted to to see where he's at. So, I think a lot more hockey is being watched across the board than what would have been this time last year for me. Um, I think a lot of times too, when I was watching guys live, uh, I would obviously see guys in my region or not my region, but in my division a lot more. So, I mean, going around and making your regular occurrence and making sure you have that large sample size. It's huge. Cause I mean, like we were talking about earlier, you uh, you can see a guy on his best night. You can see a guy's on his worst night. be someone walking into your job, seeing you just having an absolute crap day and saying, wow, I mean, that employee is just mailing it in today. I mean, next day you might have, you might do something solid for somebody and really redeem yourself in your own mind. But I mean, that's the danger of people not putting in the work on the ground level, um, getting the video views in and just kind of validating what you're seeing in the rink and online.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the World Juniors can do wonders for players um, that maybe haven't got as much attention as they deserve. But on the flip side, it, it can also bring some negative attention towards players that they don't necessarily deserve, given the rest of their body, the work for it to all be thrown away for two weeks. Uh, it's not really fair.
0: Well, that's the Quentin Byfield thing that we're, that we're experiencing for that two weeks of, I mean, you're expecting a guy to have a godlike awakening rate for two weeks out of the year after he hasn't played all year, and it just didn't. It didn't happen except for one game. It's the same as Nathan McKinnon in his draft year, where people were saying, Jonathan drouin has got to be the guy. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's about kind of putting everything in perspective. So, uh, yeah, just paying attention to the hierarchy of, uh, of how you rank players and not swaying from it. And year after year, evaluating that list and just learning from it as you go forward.
1: So it's another strong year for the WHL at this year's draft. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see any of the top stars play at the World Juniors, but I'm wondering, out of the crop of talent uh, available in your area of scouting, uh, who do you think is going to go first off the board this summer?
0: It's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of a every year is a little bit unique, but you kind of see trends. And right, and this year, right at the top, it's crammed. Uh, you're going to see three, four names potentially in the list, Um Carson Lambos who's playing over in Finland right now, Dylan Gunther who was the first overall pick ahead of Lambos, um, Cole Sillinger and Corson Kuhlmann. Um Coolman's a little bit further down the list for me but uh, right now I'm a Lambos guy. I know there's a little bit of skepticism on draft Twitter about him. Yeah I think maybe with Lambos people are looking a little too deep in some of the flaws. I watched him a lot last year. I watched all these players quite a bit last year as well when the before things got shut down and uh, right now I'm a, I'm a Lambos guy.
1: Do You see him as a candidate for first overall.
0: It's going to be really interesting. It's, it's wide open right now. I mean, you look at all these different guys and there's so many different varieties of uh, strengths and weaknesses and things that they can work on. Um, different people value things differently. It's, it's so wide open at the top. I, I could see it happen, but I mean, there's a lot of really good talent out there. And uh, it's really going to come down to what the flavor is and what potentially the need is at that position because there's a lot of really good, uh, really good options.
1: Now, Gunther is another guy that's in the discussion for first overall. Uh, I've seen Lambos higher than him on most boards, um, but I'm wondering in, in the time that you've seen him in Sherwood Park this so far this season, how has he looked?
0: I really like Gunther. I, uh, I did a deep dive, uh, shout out to that, on him. Uh, So I was able to actually dig deep into his game. And I I really like what he brings to the table. He was a very, very productive uh, rookie in the WHL, uh, ended up getting Rookie of the Year honors. And when he played in the AJHL this year, I thought he was true to his game in a um, a lot of manners. But I also thought maybe that he was almost trying too hard, going back and reverting back to old habits, like back in Bantam when you were able to dominate by just not timing play and just kind of going all out beast mode on guys. And I was able to see that kind of in the MJ too, where uh, Connor roulette was kind of reverting back to old habits. Uh, same thing with Gunther. He was just trying to go through the whole team at times, but there was also positives too, where, I mean, you know, the, dyna- the dynamic qualities are there, his ability to see the ice, the ability to work off elite talent and lead a line. Um, I was So, I mean, in in certain respects, he was great in others. He kind of left me wanting a little bit more.
1: Corson Culemans out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League is it a first-round candidate. Um, we've seen guys from the Alberta League go as high as Kale McCarr did uh, in 2017, but also just as recent as last year, Carter Savoie uh, played in that league, and he's already looking like a very good pick. I can't remember. Was it was the fourth or the fifth round, but he's scoring near a goal or game in college. So I'm wondering if you could comment a bit on Kuhlumans, uh, how high you could see him going, and also just uh, how hard it is to scout guys from that league.
0: It's really interesting. Um, I think the BCHL, you see a lot more imports come in from other, from other regions, other countries and whatnot come play there. So I think you have a little bit more talent pool to kind of work off of. And in the AGHL, the top guys typically are your top guys. Uh, of course, in Coolmans, he's been a man since he's been probably about 13. He's probably been shaving since then. I mean, the guy's just a beast, just a physical athletic specimen great with the puck a lot of it for him is going to be uh his upstairs how he thinks the game how he plays the backside of the game I mean I know I watched a bit of him early on when they were actually playing and some shifts he looked phenomenal he was he he was just doing it all and he's just that ultimate transitional defender who can can put a puck home or he can sneak in the back lane on the weak side and and uh create and give himself off as a pass option but I know one of the comments that I had and one of the thoughts was when I watched him is make, do we see kind of a Brent Burns type of player here who uh, might almost be better in a in a game that's starting to go towards more creative thinking? Do you go with a four-forward system? Do you have a guy like Corson Kuhlman's who you put up on the wing uh, and kind of have call him a back and kind of a rover and put him in that situation as opposed to a guy who's just playing D because if you want me to be very blunt, some of his decisions aren't just execution. It's just plain. He's not seeing stuff develop in front of his nose. Um, So there's going to be a lot to work on there. And especially like a guy who's as dominant for stretches at that, at that level um, to be that inefficient at times of in his own defensive zone and off the puck, it's going to be interesting to see what team sees in him. I mean, we saw it with Samuel Moran with uh, Philadelphia going in as a, as a winger after he was taken very high in the first round. I mean, I don't know what the future holds for him, but it would be take, I pose the idea of just creativity to see what his application would be. But uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. And I think whoever wants to take on a project like that might take him as high as the first round or not the first round, but the top 10, especially given how, wide open this year has become.
1: Obviously, scouting goaltenders is one of the hardest jobs that uh NHL scouts have to do. Now uh it's a good pretty good crop of goaltenders in WHL this year. Uh, I'm wondering who's your favorite so
0: far. Uh Sebastian Casa. Uh he he's a guy give well we obviously know have the hindsight of knowing how Devin Levi turned out the world juniors and he was phenomenal. I mean hats off to him but Realistically, with the other WHL goalies, no disrespect to them, but I thought Kosa was a no-brainer to either back up or be on that team. I mean, he's just a big-bodied... He he plays like a pro, Um, just his mindset of the game, his approach. There's not really many flaws into his game, and he's really good at recovering upon them if he does make mistakes in the game or have those lapses. But I really like his makeup. I like his athleticism for his size. And it's going to be really interesting. He won't have back warm there a 20 year old to split time with when the WHL does return. But I think the guy can be an absolute horse if he gets put in the right environment. And I mean, kind of looking back at some of the elite goaltenders coming out of the league, Carter Hart, Stuart Skinner, I, he's right there for me. I mean, like maybe not Hart good, but he's a guy who's going to be a really, really good prospect, just given the fact that he's so far along and just has that mental fortitude to be able to, uh, deterred negative play from affecting his game
1: yeah i'm really looking forward to uh seeing casa play hopefully um when the whl resumes and of course i'm looking forward to seeing uh what you have to say next time we talk hopefully there'll be some uh real hockey that you can go see live soon eh
0: yeah it'll be uh it'll, it'll be nice it's been it feels like a couple days or a couple days ago now i was able to go watch a couple mj games up the road here but uh Really want to see WHL back in all the junior leagues, and obviously health and uh, getting the economy back on track is the biggest concern right now that we have. But uh, uh, trying to be trying to think selfishly, I mean, we all want to be back in the rink. We want to see hockey be played. We want these guys to develop and kind of grow into what we think that what they think they can be. And uh, being part of that is uh, it's there's no greater thing. So hopefully down the road we're able to see that in short time
1: fascinating insight thanks so much for joining me justin
0: thanks and uh thanks for calling me fascinating i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening along be sure to keep it locked to fc hockey so you don't miss the latest news notes and interviews featuring the nhl entry draft